Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 2014. It's safe to say that I was settling into my role at the big company, AT&T, and we were really beginning to get some programs off the ground. My team was getting settled, and the agency teams were beginning to churn out work that was being respected and acknowledged across the company. I remember being in the cafeteria one day and seeing who I thought might have been a Disney prince. I didn't know his name, but he was definitely handsome and he was gregarious. He spoke to everyone and when he greeted people, he hugged them. Well, fast forward to 2015, while I was planning the Rev Run event that you've heard me talk about so much, we had then Chief Diversity Officer Sent Marshall sit with Rev Run and do an all-employee event to talk about the importance of faith and how we connect to our faith using our devices. It was based on some research that we've done. And it's kind of crazy that I would meet Muhammad Fashori around these circumstances, because when you hear what he's doing today, you can tell this was divinely appointed. But it was around 2015, just before this event that I'm discussing, that someone told me that you need to meet this guy named Muhammad Fashori. And I hadn't put the dots together that it was the Disney Prince. But one day, I was in the lobby and waiting by Golden Boy, who's now outside in the Discovery District of AT&T. He was inside the lobby for someone to go to lunch with and up walks the Disney prince. And he had his arms open and he hugged me. He said, you must be El Michelle. And he told me that there were people that said that we needed to connect. And I was like, there are people that said that we needed to connect. And well, long story short, Muhammad and I have been friends ever since. Muhammad was one of those people And he was in the CSR organization. I was in corporate communications over in the global marketing organization. But I could always stop into his office and have candid conversations about just about anything I needed to when it came to the work that we were doing there for the big company. Muhammad is doing some amazing things. And it's not just at AT AT&T. He is all over the place in the community, around the globe, making things happen. He's an amazing speaker. He is a talented and gifted singer. And I need for you to meet this Disney prince. (laughs) He's Muhammad Fashori. And he's on this edition of the Culture Soup Podcast. Let's get it. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited today to have a former colleague and dear friend with me today, Muhammad Fashori. He is a diversity, equity, and inclusion and culture, not just enthusiast, but I would venture to say expert. He has dug in deep and he works for a Fortune 10, one that we know very well, right, Muhammad? 
Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much. That's Michelle, probably the last place here. we saw yeah. each other, right? Yes, we did. I think it was an ERG event. Yeah. Where you it, it were one of the main speakers. Oh, yeah. It was for Oasis. Yes, it was. Okay, so Oasis is the Indian um, employee resource group. And some, some companies call them, call them business resource groups. But at yeah. AT&T, they call them employee resource groups. And this one was for the Indian community and anyone who wanted to support you guys, right? Absolutely. And you were phenomenal that day. I mean, you're always phenomenal, but oh. I remember your speech about it and, and how inspired all the other speakers were. And I remember one of the speakers even said, the next time Michelle is on stage, <laughs> I'm not going because <laughs> everyone else looks so bad. I knew exactly who that is because he <laughs> leaned into me and he said it very jokingly, but I knew he was serious. He's like, next time I'm not sitting by you and you're definitely not going before me. <laughs> uh, you're You're so inspiring. I mean, I'm just... Glad to be here, and it's, it's just uh, honor to call you a friend. Aww, the work you do, here, the, how you're inspiring people, and and making a big difference. Like, you know, it's uh, I, I personally know people that you have helped in their mm-hmm. careers, and and providing them guidance, mentorship. So, thank you for what you do. Thank this you awesome. so much. That is the biggest compliment I can ever receive from anybody. That's the most meaningful, and that is I see the fruits of your labor, and that means Absolutely. a lot. And seeing my clients and former clients just out there killing it. Man, if you want to see me tear up, that's a great way to make me do it. <laughs> that is awesome. So, Mohammed, you do a lot of things inside of your company and outside of your company. If you were going to tell my audience what it is that you do, what would you say? I, I mean, you know, the way I do it is, you know, there's a career that you're, you know, paid for and there's a purpose that you're made for. Mm-hmm. And uh, my career and purpose is the same. I c- connect uh, employees with the communities. I connect uh, nonprofits with the communities. Mm. And uh, so I lead community engagement uh, for my company and uh, for uh, international, uh, yeah. Europe, Middle East, Africa, and Asia Pacific region. And of course, I'm very involved in the, in the uh, community here in the U.S., especially in North Texas area. So uh, I have a dream job. I mean, yeah. the work I do outside my company, inside my company, is is something that, I, as I say, it's it's my my purpose and my career is the same. Yeah, you know, um, I have a lot of family members, and I call them family members that still work at AT and T. Some that have been there and gone since, but you know, the bonds that we shared were really meaningful. And I think you're one of the people that I recall when I first met you. You greeted me with a hug. I think um, um, Golden Boy was standing there watching when it happened. <laughs> but we've been we've been close ever since. Absolutely. I mean, I was you know it was uh, to me honestly it was a fan moment because I know I've known you, but I've never met you. So it it was <laughs> it was just one of those moments. Like you know we see all these leaders and like yeah. like the the concert that you were talking about. You see someone that you yes. you know you're inspired by and you see them and you know so it's it's. It's uh, no, I, I think the work you've done at AT&T, the work you've done outside AT&T is just very impactful. Inspiring. Well, thank you so and, much. Uh, and I'm just glad we're still connected. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I believe in staying connected. Yeah. And you're rocking on social media. So, you know, I get to see all the good work you're doing. So awesome. Thank you. What You know what, Muhammad? what do you say we have a culture soup moment? Let's go for it. Awesome.
you know, I'm always looking at the feeds and the threads on all the platforms and I notice the trends. And um, one thing that my team figured out while we were at at t was that most of the conversations and the way we use the platforms and the emojis that we use are driven by people in marginalized groups or, you know, the different segments. And you and I were talking offline here a minute ago about TikTok. And Mm -hmm. you're one of the few friends that I actually know that I'm connected with on TikTok. And you made a statement about TikTok and the pandemic. What was that? I mean, you know, I, I see... I mean, TikTok was, I mean, it was a blessing during pandemic, right? Because, I mean, how much TV can you really watch? <laughs> like, and, 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 and I think I, I personally was using it to stay connected with the next generation that mm-hmm. is going to take over the workforce, the next generation that is going to decide the future and technology. Like, what kind of mindset do they have? What are the things that they are connected to? Right. And I see TikTok as, you know, the best platform for the common man. Yeah. And when I say common man, I'm like, anyone can become famous on TikTok. Like if if you have talent, you know, or you have something to say, I mean, good or bad, it's it's a great, it's, it's the best definition of new power. Exactly. Right? And, and, and I, I love that power to see, you know, people just becoming so famous that they are at, you know, all these famous uh, <laughs> Met Gala or, you know, like you yeah. know, TikTok influencers are everywhere, Emmys, Oscars. And it, it's just amazing to see that, that, yeah. you know, uh, and it's it's a power that can be utilized in the right way. And I personally used it, uh, uh, Michelle, uh, I just recently launched, you know, I'm one of, one of the co-founders of Faith at Work, mm-hmm. employee resource group. And I wanted to see what the young population is. How are they seeing faith? Yeah. Uh, how are they different? How are they celebrating the commonalities and differences in faith. And I think TikTok is a great platform to see all of those, you know, inclusion, the, the activists, the, you know, what are the things that people are talking about when it comes to faith, the diversity, equity, inclusion, community engagement, you know, social responsibility, uh, you know, uh, what are they talking about? And I, I just enjoy uh, watching those videos on TikTok. It's just, it's like I've learned things that, that I, I mean, I mean, been some college, yeah. high school. I don't think I learned all of that uh, at that age. But one TikTok video just opens your eyes, and I'm not talking about you know all the fake ones out there. Right, but right, there's right. There's some genuine one because I, I I go and research after watching. You this have video. I'm to. Like, hey, is this true? Right. You know. So, but it, it's amazing the things that you get exposed to. Well, and it's interesting because we try to have our discussions every time on this podcast around tech, business, and culture, and where all of that intersects. I think TikTok is the ultimate pinnacle of that because yes it is driven by gen z although you see gen z's parents on there a lot of gen xers some boomers <laughs> and you yeah. see you see millennials on there more and more too but it, you are also able to get a glimpse in the culture when i first joined i was just i loved the way maybe there was a, a musical or a dance craze that happened but each group kind of took it and made it their own. You would see Native Americans dressed in the full garb, you know, yeah. and all of a sudden, boom, you know, in the transition, they're in their full garb. And it's just amazing to see. You might have seen some Samoans doing their idea of the woe and the yeah. renegade. I mean, <laughs> it was amazing. But then we ended up in the pandemic. And around that time, of course, we're talking the cultural upheaval and the huge, you know, protest around the world around George Floyd. 
And even around the issues of Asian hate, you got to see what people really, really thought. And you're right. TikTok is like the common man's platform compared to like an Instagram where folks kind of take the position of let me show off. Let me show you how fantastic I am and all of the beautiful, you know, cars and, 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 and boss moves that I'm making. Right. TikTok is really a little bit more down to earth. And I don't know if you saw this, but during the election, it was really interesting to see many of the Gen Zers that were going to war with their parents and recording yeah. that on TikTok. Did you see that? I saw that. I saw that. I, I saw that. Uh, it wasn't really a trend, but I saw a few of the videos. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, and, and you're absolutely right, because I, I participated in the marches uh, mm-hmm. and, and Richardson. Uh, I participated in a lot of conversation uh, about API hate. And uh, a lot of the conversations, the questions that we were putting for the panel or the responses I was getting, I was literally going to TikTok to to see, yeah. you know, what what are the questions that have been raised and how can I utilize the same questions for my panels? Yeah. Because those are very genuine questions. And, you know, it's I mean, a lot of times when when I go back and think that, you know, it was, uh, you know, how do you uh, understand your privilege? How do you understand uh, as an Asian, as uh, not just Asian, I am the most privileged minority in this country. I'm an Asian Indian, mm-hmm. right? How do you how do you understand your privilege? And yeah. after seeing all all the struggles of all the other communities, you come to the conclusion that I'm not going to mistake my privilege as freedom. Yes, right. And and I will not see uh, inconvenience as oppression. Right. And, and those those are the things that, you know, I, I, I see uh, as 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 uh, as great learning experiences from not just TikTok, but overall social media has played a big role. And I think it's just skyrocketed when it's yeah. in the last two years of how people utilize it uh, for good. Right. It's social media for good. Like there is, of course, there is negative. There is pros and cons to everything. There's a lot of negativity out there, too. But. In reality, that based on what you follow, who you follow, there are some really good people out there who are helping, you know, uh, kids that are dealing with anxiety, Absolutely. depression. Uh, there's some great uh, speakers out there, people mm-hmm. who are available. There's a guy who who uh, teaches uh, kids uh, who either don't have parents or don't have fathers to teach them the basic things that, you know, you learn from wow. your parents. So there, there's so many amazing things that are happening. And, yeah. you know, I always follow those good news movement uh, moments and, you know, uh, those kind of uh, TikTok to make your day like you want to watch that one good humanitarian yeah. thing, you know, like somebody helped somebody or, you know, someone is giving money to a homeless person. Like, you know, it's inspiring. It is inspiring. You want to do something like that. alluded to something that I think is really important and those folks who are enthusiasts, experts, students of culture, it's important to understand that when we talk about racism or privilege that while it may because we're in the United States of America center around white privilege, there are degrees and levels to the privilege and we all have a degree of it in some shape, form or fashion. I delve into this in my book. And because you and I come from a corporate background, that's a degree of privilege because it grants us connections. It grants us some generational wealth opportunities. It grants us, well, let's go back to our educational privilege, right? We had to have it to get where we were in the corporate. So it's layers and layers. But you mentioned 
you alluded to the model minority um, concept. And I'd love for you to go deep into that for a second, just so my listeners, and they're worldwide, so they, they may get it, they may not. Uh, but mm-hmm. here in the United States, it's, it's especially punctuated. So talk to me about what it is and how it manifests. No, absolutely. I mean, model minority myth is what I call it, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not just, uh, it's almost like you're calling, someone is calling me a model minority because, uh, oh, you're so educated. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's basically started after the Japanese internment camps mm-hmm. where people felt that, oh, look at the Japanese community. You know, they, they went through a lot. They yeah. were put in internment camps and, you know, we destroyed their businesses, separated families. They're not complaining. Right. Why can't you be like that? And right. that was more targeted towards the black community mm-hmm. uh, to showcase that that's what a minority should be like. But uh, the way it was done was, of course, to divide minorities, right? It, it, and, and uh, yeah, some people fall for that trap. Like someone would say, hey, Muhammad, you know, you speak such good English. Mm. Or, Muhammad, you're so educated. Muhammad, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, you are... Uh, your community is not doing certain things. And I'm yes. like, yeah, because you know what? A Supreme Court, a court has never made a decision of what I can and cannot do in this country. Mm-hmm. So when I came and moved from India, I never had to deal with redlining. I never had to deal with uh, the South Dallas bombings. I right. never had to deal with, uh, you know, segregation. I never had to, my kids never had to deal with segregation in school. Mm-hmm. It's a mindset you can't just take off and expect me to just get over it. Right. I never had to deal with those things. Yes. So, yes, I'm very privileged. And as a straight man, I don't have to deal with the LGBTQ communities dealing with. Yeah. As, a, as a straight man, I don't have to deal with gender inequality. Yes. So I know my privilege. And just because I'm brown, I'm Muslim, I'm, doesn't mean that, you know, I don't have privilege. I have right. absolutely, every one of us have privilege. Yes. We just need to understand where that privilege lies. So when it comes to LGBTQ community, I have privilege. Yes. When it comes to black community, I have privilege. When right. it comes to anti-Semitism, I have privilege. But when it comes to Islamophobia, right. you have privilege. There you go. I don't. Right. Exactly. So, See, so that, when, that's, you know, I think that's what we need to understand. There is intersectionality to everything. And I know that's absolutely. a big multi-syllable word <laughs> that maybe <laughs> some folks will call professorial. But at the end of the day, it just means that there are layers to everything. And absolutely. Uh, Mm-hmm. Michelle, going back to the model minority, right? I mean, you know, it's it's not fair because, you know, when you think of mentioning that, oh, you know, there's this H1 visa or people call it the genius visa or the Einstein visa. Yeah, you're handpicking people to mm-hmm. come to this country. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're, you're picking engineers, scientists, you know, people who are going to come and, uh, you know, live in the nicest neighborhoods, get mm-hmm. those six-figure jobs. It won't take them more than two years to settle. Perfectly. They're going to leave inheritance for their kids. The next generation is going to be wealthy, not yes. rich, wealthy. Right. So it's it's not fair to 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 compare that small minority of people and say Asian people are very uh, right. rich and very smart. No, that's not true, because it hurts the Asian community in the long term, because not all of us are rich. Not all of us are educated. Not all of us. Most of us are running small businesses mm-hmm. and we need the support from the government. So if this model minority myth is out there that, oh, you know, Asian people don't need help, they're doing pretty well. It hurts the community. It definitely and that's does. Why for the longest time, Asian community was quiet about the hate. It was happening mm-hmm. all over, but it wasn't seen as Asian hate. Now yeah. there's a name to it. 
you know, and, and as, as allies, uh, I was so pleased to see, you know, the, the Asian community's engagement in the Black Lives Matter yes, marches. Yes, it was wonderful. Women's marches. And, and I think it's, it's just, you know, we, uh, as, as when you look at gender inequality, when you see, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's not just about race, but, you know, it's an ideology that people are fighting. Mm-hmm. It's a common enemy, which is uh, race supremacy or religious yeah. supremacy. And it's not a race. It's not like black versus white. Or it's an ideology, right? Mm-hmm. And and once entire country understands that, okay, it's not about Republican or Democrats. It's not about uh, you know white versus black or Asian versus black. It's it's an ideology that believes that you know someone is superior than the other person, and you know that's not right. Equality, right? Yeah. a theory that undergirds uh, my writings and it has everything to do with if you can support and move forward the most disadvantaged everyone profits from it everybody benefits and absolutely um i i'm always talking about women and women of color but this applies to everyone i believe the ceo of microsoft said something similar people in the disability segment Mm -hmm. and how leaps forward in technology have benefited everybody. And there are things that we're doing with these devices today that didn't just happen because, oh, it's cool, but they started out helping somebody who couldn't see or someone that couldn't hear. What are your thoughts about moving everyone forward uh, when you help the most disadvantaged? No, absolutely. I mean, you know, as, as someone who's so heavily involved with the uh, gender equality focus, you know, I believe, uh, you know, like when women rise, we all rise as a society. And as you said, it applies to everything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if uh, we all know someone who's dealing with disability, even if we are not, right? Everyone knows someone, right? So it's, it's more common. And and as we continue to involve technologies, we can continue to invest in technology, uh, uh, and and the gaps that we have realized after COVID, like how many people don't have technology, how many people don't have access to Wi-Fi, how many folks don't have access to devices, uh, all these gaps now that have been identified or have come up to the surface after COVID, the pandemic, uh, it's time for uh, everyone to do their job, which is to make sure that you know. Uh, people have equal access. And that's the equity. That's the equality we're talking about. And equality is, there is a quote that equality is not a pie. You know, it's not like you're going to, you know, you you won't get a piece if someone else gets it. It's just equal treatment, right? And uh, so I, I absolutely believe in it, that as we continue to, to, to develop as a society, as we continue to compete with the global market, the global world, we have to make sure that the most underserved communities are part of that, you know, it's, 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 they are part of that journey or else uh, other countries will, will surpass us. They, they'll, they'll be better than us if they continue to focus to make sure, you know, no one is left behind, right? It shouldn't just apply in the military. It should apply in every part of life. It could be disability, be it underserved. Uh, Actually, underserved is the wrong word. The word I would prefer to use is historically and systemically excluded people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's if as long as we take them with us and make sure that they are part of the journey, they're part of the development. For example, 
we haven't even taught some of the uh, kids in those, uh, you know, uh, historically excluded neighborhoods about financial literacy. Now there is this crypto and Ethereum and the, all these things are happening across the globe. And if by the time the kids realize, okay, how do you do taxes? There are people who are becoming millionaires through crypto right. or through the new, you know, NFTs, the non-fungible tokens, all of that. If you're not teaching these kids about these things, how are they going to be a part of that journey? How are they going to understand how you, you know, invest and how you become digital, you know, not just uh, focus on digital literacy, but financial literacy and be part of that uh, movement that's happening. And, you know, so, yeah, there, there, there's so much that needs to be done. But I absolutely agree with you that it, it's uh, when when everyone rises, we all rises and uh, the success of a few people is not a success of a country or a community. Right. right. So, Mohammed, tell me your story. You know, this, your story doesn't begin in the lobby at AT&T when I met you. <laughs> There's more to you than this. So tell me a little bit about your background. I understand you moved here from India. How old were you? So me and my wife, uh, we got married when we were 23. Uh, she was raised here in Dallas, moved here uh, when I was 24. My, within a few weeks, I was working for AT&T as a call center sales rep, mm-hmm. uh, selling uh, all those uh, Motorola Razor phones. If you oh, remember wow. those. <laughs> and even before that, Motorola Razor came way after. But, uh, you know, went through the iPhone launch and uh, I've, I've done like 10 different roles. I've worked in six different organizations. Uh, now, uh, you know, I, I lead the international employee engagement uh, for Europe, Middle East, Africa, and Asia Pacific. Uh, have been, uh, uh, have some great memories and have made uh, some great impact in my, my day job. I've done sales, customer experience, mm-hmm. tech support operations, chief of staff work, uh, product marketing. My last job before this was product marketing. People always joke about like, how in the world did you end up in CSR from product <laughs> marketing? And I always tell them I was building my side resume. Mm-hmm. And I was applying the uh, echo effect that you always talk about, yes. right? Like building that brand on the side mm-hmm. of having other people talk about you mm-hmm. when you're not in the room uh, and and let your work speak, right? And uh, did a lot of work. Uh, ERGs played a big role in my career. Uh, and uh, and you and I were talking about it. You know, I'm a, pro- a product of uh, three uh, amazing leaders at uh, at AT and T. Some two of them are past leaders, so yeah. Sink Marshall uh, and uh, uh, and uh, Debbie Story and Charlene right. Lake. Uh, their vision is the reason I I'm able to do what I do, uh, or else I would uh, I, I don't think I would have been doing this if there were no ERG or DNI platform or CSR platforms for employees to bring their authentic self to work every right. day. Well, and you mentioned the side resume. Talk to me about what you do in the community that bolsters your brand, because I see you out there and you're speaking and sometimes you're even singing to uh, different audiences out there. What, what are you involved in? Uh, I've been, I'm involved in, in a lot of uh, API organizations. Uh, you know, the, uh, for example, I'm, I'm the vice chairman of the Asian Chamber of Texas, I'm the trustee co-chair of the India Association of North Texas. Uh, I uh, One organization I'm that very passionate about, I've been supporting for the past few years, is Girl Up, United Nations Foundation Girl Up campaign, focus on uh, gen- creating the next generation of girl leaders. Uh, and uh, 
So there are a lot of organizations like that that I support, that I'm part of, uh, and it's my passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's uh, uh, it's it's passion, and at the same time, I see it as my duty, you know, to to give back to the community uh, because uh, yes, I was born and raised in India, but this is home, yeah. and uh, and my this is the country where uh, I will be. I'm raising a family. This is this is how I give back. And and uh, you know it's it's uh, it's been it's been great it's been beautiful and you know it's uh... you know what I see in you that I don't see in a lot of people and you'll hear me talking about eagles and chickens <laughs> we're talking about the eagles here you're clearly one of the eagles but what I noticed about eagles is they have a clear understanding of who they are how important has that been in driving you forward on your mission it's it's been uh very uh you know it, it the way i see it is michelle uh, i think I, I mentioned it that you know your career is what you paid for but your purpose in life is what you made for right and i knew my purpose that there were opportunities of course there are like i'll give you an example instead of putting six seven eight hundred hours a, a year into community i could be using that hour to make money but that will not bring me the satisfaction that i get from what i do right mm-hmm. So what makes you happy, you know, and, and, and you may have heard this. People ask instead of how are you doing? Like, are you happy? I'm very happy. And, and that makes me happy. And, you know, so it's very clear that this is my passion. I love it. My wife has been very supportive of it. Uh, my kids are watching. Yes. They may not be involved, but kids are watching. Like Let me tell you, they'll watches, get involved the minute they right. see a little crack. My, my daughter, as you know, is now an author. A published yes, author. That is so amazing. <laughs> it's so and, crazy. Because <laughs> you saw mommy down here, <laughs> you know, in the home studio trying to get this book out last August in 2020. I, and I tell people, like people say, oh, you know, my kids are not. I'm like, don't worry. They're watching. Yeah. And there's certain things she'll do. I mean, she's a very talented singer, but she doesn't want to do that. And that's fine. And, I've told her you don't have to get it there. Let me tell you, I've seen anybody. your, your, your uh, so on social media, I've seen your childhood picture. She's your copy. Yes. I'm like, wait, is that your picture? Did you post her picture? Like, what is going on? Here? She has a facsimile. <laughs> <laughs> Giving birth to yourself. You're yes. Like, yeah, that's... <laughs> so meta. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so important that the kids see this because what they see in us, they see as the baseline. They think that's Absolutely. normal. So if you give them a little rocket fuel, it's no telling what they'll be able to do to multiply what we've, we've put before them. You agree? Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. And, and in a way, you know, the only selfish part that the work that Michelle, you're doing and I'm doing is we're, le- we're going to leave a better world for our kids. Yeah. Hopefully. Right. Yeah. That's that's the only selfish part. People say, what are you doing? Well, what's the benefit? Like, yeah, we're not doing it for rewards and recognition. It's, no. It's good to be recognized because, you know, it inspired other people to say, hey, how did you get that? Like, let me, yeah. you know, so, so you do this, right? The side resume uh, is, is, you know, how do you get your dream job of how do you make community engagement, diversity, talent acquisition, things that you're passionate about as your dream job is whatever you're doing today, what are you investing in to get that role and let that role become your, you know, day job? Well, and what uh, you and said that, is so yeah. key. What you said was so key. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. And people who don't have a deep perspective 
might see the social media roll by and yes, there's a picture of me on stage or something or you're out there singing and think, oh, what are they doing? They're self-promoting. No, (laughs) it's the message that we're carrying that's touching people's lives. And we owe it to ourselves to expand our reach to reach more people. You agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just like watching a TikTok video because I I see like different, uh, you know, way people express it. Like someone who is, just walking over to a street vendor and giving a thousand dollar and people are like, Hey, why did you make a video about that? It's like, because it'll inspire other people to go do something like that for someone who's, you know, dealing with something. Right. And, and that's how I see the work we do is we have to be loud and proud because, you know, there are some work in the community where you have to go and promote those organizations. You have to, because unless you're talking, if you're not talking about it, who's talking about it. Right. Yeah. It, it's, I use the word new power, right. The, the fundraisers that are happening on Facebook, the, 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 on Instagram, are the new power. Back in the days, if you had to go for, you know, do some charity work or do, you have to go to a bank, ask for a loan. People literally saying, hey, friends, I'm going to do this project. I need to raise $10,000. Four or five weeks later, the person that has the money, they're Here's going out doing it. Right? That's the new power, right? And, and uh, one of my friends was going on an uh, Antarctica, uh, you know, to uh, like a project for himself, he was raising funds. He did it all by himself yeah. through Facebook, and I, that is the new power. Yeah, and and I love that. And you know, it's it's uh, and people should start utilizing it. Absolutely, it, you don't you, like you if you're a good singer, you don't need to get a break. You go make your YouTube video, exactly. and you become the Justin Bieber. Exactly. <laughs> you know, this is what I've been talking about: is wielding the weapons of mass innovation because the internet is democratized. So it's every man's opportunity. And it's just a matter of finding your niche and your purpose and going for it. And guess what? You don't even need a bank account. You could have a Stripe account or a Square account or a PayPal account. It doesn't matter. You know, if you can get your hands on one of these devices, you can change the world if you really want to. Absolutely. And, you know, talking about privilege, a lot of these countries, a lot of countries out there, the TikTok is banned. There's some other apps that are banned. So when you have access to those things, use it. Yeah. Use it for, for your good. Use it for the good of society, environment, you know, use technology the right. And, you know, there's, there's so much good that comes out of it. Awesome. Mohammed. what a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you on TikTok, on, on social webs and follow you? <laughs> Mohammed Farshuri. <laughs> Sorry, I have a very unique last name. Yes. So uh, I'm sure folks can find me and, you know, looking forward to connecting with everyone and keep doing the great work you're doing, Michelle. Thank it's, you. It's so inspiring. Awesome. You inspire me. I appreciate you so much. All Thank right. Yes, I'll see you again. Maybe you'll come back on soon and talk about one of your big projects. Okay. Looking forward to it. All right. See ya. Bye. What an exciting conversation with Mohammed Forshori. He is a culture and global diversity, equity, and inclusion advocate, and he's my friend. And yeah, I jokingly call him the Disney Prince, but he's much more than that, as you can tell. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Until next time. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC.
The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.